Hi, Chanel. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You know, the way you and I met, I saw something that you wrote on social media. I reached out to you, we chatted, and here we are, what, like five hours later? (laughs) Yes. That legitimately means you are a rock star, just so you know. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) You are such uh, an inspiration, and your story is going to uplift and save so many women, so many humans. And I'm so blessed to have you here with us today. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. I'm really excited to be here. I don't even know where to start because the little bit that you and I have talked, I mean, we have so many commonalities. So your life coaching, tell me a little bit about that and sort of how you came into that. Absolutely. So I guess on my healing journey, it's been several years of discovering who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing. And one of the things that kind of birthed finally getting into that next stage of healing and learning and exploring myself more um, was deciding that I wanted to share my story. Which isn't that so incredible. And I mean, the whole premise of I am unbreakable is, you know, the struggle is part of the story. And it's about unfiltered stories. And your story, the way you know, you can't kind of came up to this. Maybe you can, we can backpedal for 30 seconds. I'm just so excited about everything you have to say (laughs) is, you know, sort of pre-kids. What, what did you do? And just share a little bit about your background with pageants and whatnot. And what brought you to, I guess, today? Absolutely. So in a nutshell, um, I would say if we were to backtrack my life until the age of 18, Um, I was currently at that time a competitive figure skater and I did not know know. look at you. (laughs) and my parents actually homeschooled me from the time I was grade seven until I entered the pageant and so my life was around the did you love it I loved it it was my everything well because you still had the social aspect I know a lot of people you know with the pandemic um, were really worried about their kids like being isolated and homeschooling. And part of it was kind of neat because you didn't have to worry about lunches. You didn't have to worry about whatever, but you worry about the social aspect. But you were very social because your social was your skating. Absolutely. I was from uh, nine to five. I was at the rink. Um, always, I was on the ice maybe three to four hours a day working wow. out. So I was always around the other skaters. So you're right. The social aspect was there. And so for anybody who would be considering homeschooling, um, in my experience, having a sport or having something that really pushes them into that social atmosphere is huge. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, it, but you still had it. It's just funny that, you know, homeschooling and, and everything is just coming out now because of uh, the pandemic. But uh, you already experienced that and you had a mm-hmm. great experience because after figure skating or during figure skating, when did you get into the pageants? Yeah, so it's actually uh, really quickly, uh, one of the girls that I used to train with, she was actually in the farmer's market where I, in the town that I lived at. And she was rolling around in roller skates with a sash and crown. And I was like, I don't know what you're doing, but I, I need to be a part of that. Oh, and look so, at you. <laughs> and so she, she connected with me back then. Facebook still was around. Uh, that was yep. at the beginning. And uh, she told me how I could get involved. And so I brought it to my parents and I said, listen, this is an opportunity for me to be around other women, other young girls my age. 
Um, and I was of age of needing the next step in my in in my life, going to that next level. And I, I looked at this as a really great opportunity to network and get myself out there. And a challenge. And mm-hmm. like you said, to, to meet other like-minded women, but also to expose yourself to something completely different, right? Exactly. Still and how competition. Old, oh, oh, it's <laughs> the competitiveness I don't think will ever leave you, right? I think no. once it's in your blood, it's in your blood. But now you're using it for the better, right? Mm-hmm. So so then you got into that and, and tell us what happened from there. And how right. old were you? Sorry. You I were, was 18 years old okay so just at the the bottom level the bottom age group of the miss category and I put everything into it I did my own PR I was on radio stations I uh, was on uh, much music I was on a couple much music much music whoa that is celebrity <laughs> status and I'm sure some if the kids are watching they're like what is much music <laughs> <laughs> but anyways okay so it I'm, was the YouTube back then right exactly. it was the the thing to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. I just put everything into it and that was just what I did with my skating. So I just transferred those skills into the pageant life. And it was my very first year doing the pageant. I'd never walked in heels before I was in sneakers or skates. Or skates, right? Exactly. But your balance must be awesome. Thank you. <laughs> and so I pushed my way through. I had an incredible time. It really is true when they say that when you get involved in a pageant, you you get you make long life uh, friendships, friendships that I have to this day that oh, I love continue that. to support me. I love that. And uh, and I went all the way uh, right to the end. And I, I like I said, I gave it my all and I was there for the experience. And that's like a motto that I've always lived by Ooh, is like take nice. everything for the experience, nothing for granted. And so by living up that's to that great model, motto, thank you. I think we need to make a T-shirt. I think so. Right? Yeah. Okay. Next. (laughs) That's our next uh, venture. But anyways, so Mm -hmm. then, so, and you love the experience. How long were you in it? So for about a year, and then I ended up winning the very first year. Thank you. Not competitive though, right? (laughs) I know. Not competitive (laughs) It's the smile. It's the eyes. It's the personality. I can see that for sure. Thank you. And so you won. I did. And then what happens is as a national title holder, you reign for the following year and then you represent Canada internationally at Miss Globe International. Wow. Yeah. So I so exciting. Yeah. So that was held in Europe. And uh, that kind of takes me into like my nitty gritty of my story. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait for the nitty gritty. That's part two. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I'm kidding. It's it's now. <laughs> um, and so I just I have a few questions. Did your mom get involved with helping manage you in the pageant did you need help at that age or stage because I would think you do yeah so my mom and dad were pretty hands-on when it came to getting into the pageant when I was just getting myself ready for the pageant and getting my own um hair makeup outfits all the the stuff you did really yeah I went to different events I found photographers I met makeup artists and I was able to get modeling gigs and all kinds of things were were just opportunities waiting because I was putting myself out there every day. And that's the whole point that, you know, getting into what we're going to talk about later is taking action steps. And when you take yes. action, action steps, opportunities like we are having today open up. Absolutely. Things you would have never dreamt about doing, you know, five years ago, two years ago, 10 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. I love that. And you actually, and you take a chance. 
right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, and sometimes it's scary, but usually it's scary right before you're about to do something super brave. That's sort of my motto as well. So you go to Europe. I go to Europe. And at that point, my parents were involved with the Miss Canada. Um, They were on the board. So just ensuring that we were doing the right thing, that we were being taken care of, that we were going to appropriate events, because there were times where it was a little bit controversial. Of course. um, Especially coming from like a very conservative background. There's a lot of things that were very new for us to explore. Of course. Um, and in the modeling world, it's 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 very open and, and being on stage in heels and a bikini is very different, right? Sure is. Absolutely. Well, it puts a, a certain amount, even though you don't go there for that reason, there is a certain amount of sort of innocence and you're vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. Even though you're doing it for the right reasons, you know, you can't not control what other people do or think. Absolutely. So as I was going into um, Miss during the t- that time, I actually had met um, my romantic partner at the time. Okay, we'll call him romantic partner. We will. Okay. We call it the romantic partner. Okay. And um, after I won Miss um, Globe, I ended up coming top ten, and I brought home two titles. So, what are the two titles? Thank Do sh- you you. got to brag. You got to share. <laughs> you got to be proud. Please tell. Thank you. So, Miss Harley Davidson, that's the best one, and oh. the, it's the best one because. Did you get one? I no. <laughs> Damn. I got Did to get a ride t-shirt? on it. Oh, okay. I got That's a little scarf okay. um, with like the, it was, they were in Albania. That was where it was taking place. Oh, beautiful. And, uh, and so it was to win that, there was a whole Harley Davidson gang kind of that came and supported the pageant and we had a whole fun day with like picnics and riding on the back of their motorcycles and a dinner with dancing and it was all fun and um so they got to choose who they thought should win so they had their own little thing that is so cool (laughs) and so I just happened to sit on the back of like the main guy um, the back of his bike and I got to chat a bit and he had family from Canada that lived in Canada. Oh, look at that. So he could speak really well, like his English was good. And we were actually talking about like favorite country singers and mine at the time was like Keith Urban. What do you mean at the time? Don't it's even still, tell me you've still. lost your love <laughs> no, for Keith Urban. Absolutely. He is the best. Okay. Absolutely. But that kind of, one of his songs came on and we started chatting and we just hit it off, right? It had a good conversation. Awesome. And so I guess at, by the end of the night, they got to choose which miss they would like to have as their winner. And and that was my first title that I brought home. Aww. And it kind of felt a little better, like a, a good title to bring home because it was something that other people had decided. It wasn't, you know, everyone on, the, on the stage on, and at the yes. end of like the glamour. It was more like, let's get to know these girls and, and see which one that we is. think. Yeah, that is really honorable because like you said, it shows that they got a chance to know you in the short little time you guys spent together mm-hmm. and that you got to, you know, shine above everybody else. I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. And that kind of goes really like along really well into the title that I won overall. So I ended up winning Miss Golden Girl of the World. And that, wow. yeah. What does that mean? It means the girl who has the most pure of hearts. Okay, now I love you even more. I want to give you a hug. Oh my god, <laughs> that is so. How how did how did you get picked for that? Because that you really have to get to know somebody. Because mm-hmm. people can kind of you know fake it till you make it type of thing. Where I think 
a lot of people see through the mask and the facade, but you somehow nailed it. You know what? When I was going into that pageant, I knew that I was a little bit different. Um, How? Because there was one one moment in particular where I knew that I stood out in a different way. And we know that it's a, a world stage beauty pageant. And, and back then, um, and, and some still today, depending on what countries they're coming from, plastic surgery is out there and enhancement to make someone's features more pre- like more presentable or more beautiful in, in yes. a way, right? So we were actually sitting around. It was like one of the nights that we were doing the talent show. Okay. And we were sitting in the dressing room and the girls were kind of going around saying what they had done. Oh, so I've done this, I've done that. Okay. Yeah. And by the time they came around to me, who was like 19 years old at the time, one of the youngest contestants, I was oh. like, well, I've not done anything but like waxed. <laughs> You're like, I did my waxing before I came. Yeah. That is so, talk about pure and innocent, yeah. right? Wow. Yeah. So I, I thought, no, what? I can only be myself. And... By being myself, I'm I'm going to stand out in my own unique way. 100%. And so that's what I did. I just wanted to be true to myself and be kind the way that my parents raised me to be. And I, that's, they must that's be what so happened. They must be so proud of you. Thank you. I'm, I'm sure they are. Yeah. And so are you? do you have any siblings? I do. So I have an older brother. We're all four years apart between each other. So there's my older brother, myself my sister, and then my younger brother. Oh, four. Mm-hmm. Ooh, two so, boys and two girls. Oh, they've got the, I was going to say all-American, but all-Canadian family. Uh, so, okay, wow. So you came home. I came home from that pageant. How long were you there? I was there for a month. Wow. Uh, while I was there, um, I ended up getting a parasite. And sometimes that happens when you're over in another country. Absolutely. And I ended up, my, the last week um, during that that whole event, my parents came. And so they were there that last week. And I was in and out of the hospital a couple times. Oh, wow. And the hospital experience over there is very different from our experience here. We are, I think we're very fortunate. People don't realize. I mean, I know now and even before there's, you know, 13, 14, 15 hour waits. But then when you finally do get the care, mm-hmm. it's much different, right? And it, in this case, it was um, Albania had been just getting over a war about seven or eight years prior. Oh, right. So there was no one in the hospital because it costs money to go. Yes. Um, and so it was very bare. But um, but they the people, they took care of me, and it was Aww. great. And my parents came out. And, and so I stayed that last week with my parents because I was so ill. Um, and my mom actually was in the dressing room with me at the in backstage during mm. the last competition days helping me get dressed, literally put on Vaseline on my teeth so I keep smiling. Yeah, you're like, get, get, get out there. <laughs> this is what you came for. Yeah. Um, so they were so, so happy and so supportive the whole time. Um, now, when I came home, that was like kind of a different story because my title now was had moved on to the next girl and it was just a matter of what's next, right? Well, I had a romantic partner to go back home to, right? Oh. And um, that kind of gets into into my story. Okay, so do tell. Okay. So your romantic <laughs> partner, so are we calling him RP for now? Sure, Roman- let's call him RP. Romantic partner. Yeah. Okay. And so what happened? You guys had a great love story and... 
We did actually. Um, a lot of people, and now looking back, we we really call it the Romeo and Juliet situation. Oh, because my parents did not like him. They did not like me. It was my first kind of relationship, um, and I was well, I you was were young. so young. I was I was I was nineteen years old, turning twenty. Um, and you knew I, everything, sort of, right? I thought I knew. Everything, I know. Right? Well, I think. Yeah, that's just the age where you're ready to sort of break free of mom and dad and make mm-hmm. your own decisions. So, And I think with the pageant too, I was getting all of this attention and I was I was feeling really good about myself, very confident. And so all the other girls had boyfriends and I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to fight for this one. Yeah. And I'm I'm going to show them that this is going to work. Okay, and how did it work? It didn't work out all that well. <laughs> You're like, not so much, but not you do so have two I beautiful have t- children. Two beautiful children from that experience. Um, I have a son who's turning 12, a daughter who's turning 11, and it's it's just our life is, is wonderful now. Uh, we went through some turmoil in terms of um, getting over what is now known as domestic violence, and that was the life that I lived for a couple many, of years. How many years? Like, when did it start? Was it sort of, you know, hindsight is great. Did it start sort of right out of the gate? It did. So three months in was the first kind of initial blow. Um, and it, But it was, it was done and set in such a way that I felt like it was almost like a light conditioning. Um, it was literally a slap in the face when I was brushing my teeth and then like a giggle. He was just excited about the weekend we had coming up. So if you think about it, like someone who's young is getting ready, brushing their teeth, ready for the day and excited about the, they're going to the beach and, uh, he's just excited and comes and gives a, what he calls like a love tap, um, and then of course says, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm just excited. So there was no anger related oh, to so this. that was confusing for you or were you kind of like okay I don't really like this I know it feels odd but yeah. okay if that's how you show your excitement cool was well that- I had like a tear coming down my face I didn't cry but like there were tears because I was in shock I wasn't afraid but I was like that's never happened to me before right I've never witnessed that in my family before so but by him like coming behind me and saying like that like just giggling and saying I'm sorry and you know, kind of holding my face and saying, I would never do that again. Like, I didn't didn't realize that I would hurt you. Um, it kind of set the tone of, you know, I'm, I wa- I'm not going to hurt you. I would never do that. I care about you. Um, and I'm not going to do it again. Um, but that and was... And that was three months in. That was three months in. Um, and if we were to fast track to um, the following December, so we're looking about about nine months later. So we're together for about nine months. And nothing's happened between... Nothing's happened between then. Just kind of like um, I, what I did find, like when I'm looking back, there was a lot of control. There's a lot of like, I don't really like that friend or I don't want you hanging around with them anymore. Um, or, was there any legitimacy to his comments or was it just him trying to alienate you? I think for sure it was just trying to alienate... Um, I was trying to search for reasons why they would not be a good friend or a good fit. Um, I like that. I like the fact that you actually had to question yourself. That's what that's what I was trying to find out is, mm-hmm. is it, was there any, like, were his concerns 
true because sometimes you know when you have single friends and then you get in a relationship sometimes you know you kind of go your own way right Mm -hmm. but that doesn't sound like that was the case no but you questioned yourself already not even a year in absolutely and I think it was because I was so drawn to his charm his charisma and I I wanted to be that good little girlfriend that maybe could be his wife one day right of course so I'm trying to behave myself and and take into what he's saying but also you know trying to figure still trying to figure life out right of course at that age absolutely mm. and so fast track to December what happens so December comes around this is when I'm coming back from the Miss Globe International and my parents and my family this is when you were sick and you're coming back yes okay. yes so when I came back I um I had lost about 17 pounds I was Thinner than when I had left for the pageant. We all joke after as like I when I came home, I was like in the best shape, like physically looking like perfect pageant queen. When I was walking on stage, everything was perfect. It was like wow. Except you were ill. Except I was <laughs> completely ill. Yeah. And I was for months after. I just continued to lose weight because I was dealing with a parasite. And at that time, of course. We had no idea what was going on. But my parents were um, preparing for a family cruise for Christmas. And, of course, he's a part of, he's my guy now. So he thinks that, you know, well, if I'm a part of the family, I'm your man. Like, I should be coming on this Christmas cruise nine months in. Yeah. So there was an issue there. Of course. And so that issue was you're not going. Or you tell your parents that I'm coming. And at that point... I was very ill, so my mind is like trying to, my body's trying to heal, I'm trying to please him, I'm trying to negotiate with my parents, and I don't want to lose him. I don't know what losing someone is like, so I I, I just don't know. So I wanted to hold on to him as best as I could. Something had happened recently, like prior to this event, where I told my, my sister about this time that he had slapped me. And there was another time that leading up to this where it was right before I was going to Miss Globe and he was really concerned and upset about um, asking, he was wondering why I'd never had a boyfriend before. He didn't put like the full on figure skater and homeschooler into perspective whatsoever. No. It's kind of like, well, why are you so naive or why haven't you been with someone before? Like, why is this your first I'm, I'm 19, 20 years old, and this is just the life that I've been given. And so um, there was a time where he's just, like, trying to nag. Like, I can't believe, like, you haven't been with anyone. And, and I said no, and he took the hair blow dryer out, and he ended up whipping me with the cord because um, he's like, I don't believe you. I'm never going to believe you. And, of course, I cry, and, and I don't know what to do. So I told my sister about this, and so... When I had gone to kind of make amends with him prior to leaving for this cruise, it was the weekend before, and my my parents were like, no, you're not going to go see him. Uh, because before, every so often when I went to go see him, I'd go for the weekend. I usually wouldn't communicate with my parents until I was coming home. So and why just, was that? Because they didn't like him. They didn't like me staying over. They didn't like me... Um, spending time with him and not really telling them where I was. They, they thought that that was 
not safe, that I should be more open to sharing, you know, I'm, I'm going with my boyfriend, this is where I'm going. Instead, it was like, I'll just see you later. So there was no communication. And do you think you did that because you kind of in the back of your mind subconsciously sort of knew that this was probably not going to be okay? Yeah. I, there was, Hindsight. There was something in me that said, Chanel, you know, enjoy this for the moment, but it's not going to last. Because there was, there were times where I, I, I did know, but I was completely ignoring it. Because I didn't know what it would be like to be alone. And I was afraid of that. Because he's like, well, now you're with me. No one else is going to want you. So I had that kind of filtering into my mind as well as. That's what he would tell you. Yeah. So there was another story being told to me that I was beginning to believe. Of course. Well, years. So how long were you with him? I was with him in total about four and a half years. Um, And it just escalated from there. So uh, so let's just go back to December then. So you tried to make up with him mm-hmm. and what happened? My my sister went to my parents and told them what I had shared with her and my parents went to the police. And so I was in the car on my way back to his place and we got a phone call saying you need to come back and there's a police here that wants to talk to you guys. Wow. Yeah. That is a mother bear, your mom. Mm -hmm. And what happened? We ended up not coming back, but we met them at another police station out where he lives. And then they, we met them there. The one police officer took him and then they took me back to my city. So it was like driving an hour and a half out to his town. And then the cops take us in separate vehicles, taking us all the way back to my town. And... I was telling to uh, talking to the cop saying like I don't understand what's going on here like I'm just going out to see my boyfriend before I leave for a cruise right and they're not saying anything we stop at Tim Hortons which is funny. <laughs> you know they're trying to make light of it do you want yeah. anything and I said no I'm fine I just don't know how did to get out of this Did you have a cell phone at that point So I I did have a cell phone but it was completely dead So you have no idea what's happening like your mom hasn't really told you what's happening. Do you have an idea of what's happening? No idea. No idea. I'm scary. I'm just thinking like, where is this coming from? So the police decide to put me in a little room and ask me some questions. And some of those questions were, you know, tell me about the hair blow dryer. And I was like, excuse me? And they're like, yeah, um, we were talking to your sister. And your sister told us that there was an incident with a hair blow dryer. Can you tell us about that? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what my sister's talking about. Like, I don't know what you guys are trying to put us through. I don't know what you're trying to do to me. And I, I just denied everything, everything. They kept on bringing other things up. Like, what about, has he ever hit you? And I said, no, no. Why would he ever do that? We're... We're a boyfriend, girlfriend. Like, you, you don't do We're that. We're in love, yeah. Yeah. And so they just, they, they nagged on for a while. You know, they want to get information. But they didn't break you. They didn't break me. And one of the police officers at the end was, he said, just be careful. He said, just be careful. And he's like, we see people come back all the time. Wow. That's what he said to me. And, um... And so I ended up leaving. Uh, my parents were there waiting for me. And I'm like, no, 
I am, I'm not walking back with you guys. You put him through this, whatever he had to go through. You had, I had to go through all of this. So had he been released? Was he charged at all? He wasn't charged at all because I denied everything. So he was just let go to go home. So someone drove him home and my parents were like, get in the car. And I'm like, I'm not getting in the car after that. After all of that, you've made such a dramatic scene. And, um, and so I started walking home and then finally my parents were just like, just get in the car. So I did, I got home and I packed everything. And I, I literally, and I feel horrible by saying this, but I told my mom, I said, if you want to know where I'm going to be, you're going to drop me off. My dad was like, you're not having any part of this. And my mom's like, I have no choice. Yes. I have no choice. Well, you want, because did she know where he lived at the he time? He didn't, no. So this was like her one chance of saying, I'll drop you off because at least I'll know where you are. And my mom had said, I don't remember this too much, but she's like, "I, Chanel, you fell asleep in the car and all she wanted to do was turn around and go back home. Yeah, and that was only recently when I launched the documentary is when she told me that night. That must I be heartbreaking for you. It is. It's and it's touching knowing as as a mom now. Yes. I I see the aggression in wanting to protect your child. A thousand percent. And mm-hmm. I mean your kids are still little but as they grow and as they sort of they have to move away from mom and dad to a certain degree. It doesn't matter how old your child is. Your child's always going to be your child and mm-hmm. wow, your mom and I mean she's a mother of four as am I, that is awesome that she just said, yeah, I'm doing this because that was her last chance. Mm-hmm. It and was. So, she was so brave. She was so brave. So brave and so heartbroken, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So you fall asleep, you wake up, you're there. I'm there and I unpack my stuff and I stand on his porch and I give him a call and nobody's answering. And I'm just like, my mom at this point has left but probably visually didn't leave yet (laughs) yeah I went across the street to his neighbors who they were really good close buddies I called I I called him down and I said hey do you mind getting a hold of him and so he got a hold of him and so RP came down he was in his room Uh, he just didn't want to answer the door because I was there at this point he's he's oblivious he doesn't know that I'm coming he doesn't know nothing um, so I, but he went to the police station and was also questioned, right? Absolutely. So, so did he not want to see you anymore after that? The last time I saw him, he was, he didn't even talk to me. He just like went in the car and I said, I'm going to fix this. That's all I said. Oh, so you this. saw, oh, cause I thought you guys were both at different police stations. Okay. So but they then brought him. So they brought us both back in separate vehicles. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what did he say when you said... I said, I'm staying. I said, I'm going to fix this. And what did he say? He said, okay. So I, he helped me bring my stuff in, and, and I was there. I was there for several months. Um, we were living our own little life. Happy? Uh, how can you be happy when you're alienated away from friends and family? My social media, in order to stay with him, I wasn't allowed Facebook. Facebook was gone. My emails were gone. My phone number was changed. Um, I wasn't allowed to talk to my family at all whatsoever. Um, Did your family try to reach out to you? No, they, they didn't know how. 
other than knowing where I, my mom knowing where I lived once my phone was gone like once it was cut off it was they didn't was know done. how and then but did your mom ever come to try to see you so this is what happened so I don't know what happened prior but it, I was I was there for about five to six months and when I was eat, edging into the fifth month um, I'd say this was about February I had gotten a job and so I had like my little out right I was able to get out of the house away from him away from his family was actually back home a couple two of his sisters were getting married did they know about any of this what was going on they did so he called them all upset and told them everything was going on and he had said like Chanel's here now can she just live with us until we figure life out Mm -hmm. And so his mom's like, of course, she loved me. I loved her. Like, yeah. And that was another thing, too. When you like your partner and you start to fall in love with their family, his sisters, his mom, like there's a lot that's it's, it's very complicated because it's not just them that you love. You, whole, you love the whole family and what sure. you all could be one day. Yeah. And but so, did they know anything about any truth to the allegations that were made through your sister? So his mom and his sisters always said, if you ever hurt her, you know, if you ever hurt her, they had an inkling that something was wrong. And later on, like at the end, when time was, when I finally got up and left, um, there was a moment where I finally went to his mom and said, listen, this is what's happening. Look at my arm. And she's like, this this is the hardest part is I thought she, this was the one time she would beat up her son the way she promised, right? Yes. And instead she said, Chanel, you just have to do your womanly things and just be quiet and he'll come around. That's when I knew I was in a lot of trouble. That's when I knew I wasn't safe anymore. And you were very alone. Very alone. No communication at all whatsoever. Um, Did you ever think to reach out to your family or your friends? So it was finally that fifth month where I had, um, I called my dad, but I called him, I called him once for a couple seconds. What'd you say? And I said, dad, I'm going to hang up, but write down this number and call back private. Oh. Because if you call back private, you don't see the num Number. So I said, and I knew that because RP would would call private all the time, and he told me this. But he had said, if you ever called, I'll find out on the phone bill. Like, I'll find out. Wow. So I was terrified, terrified. And so I told my dad, call back private. So he did. And the reason why, like, I knew what our schedule was. So he was going to school at the time. He was going to be a police officer. I know. And he just, uh, so during a certain time of the year, day, he'd be going off to school and I would be getting ready to go to work. And so I thought this is the time where he usually calls me. So once he calls me, I know that he's gone back and gone into class. He's starting his day. I won't hear from him until I'm home from work. Right. So I knew that it was safe to contact my dad. So I called my dad. My dad was at work. He called back. And so every day at that time, I said, if anybody else calls or answers the phone in case his sisters or mom of come course. back, don't say anything. Just say wrong number, and I will try and get back to you as soon as I can. 
Well, eventually it came where I shared a little bit about what I was going through with someone, a colleague at work. And she, her name was Elizabeth, and I don't know where she is now, but her, between her, she finally said, you know what, I think we need to talk to our manager and kind of get someone else involved to know what your situation is in case the time comes where you're going to need to leave um, so that they have an idea because this is dangerous. And so my, I finally called. So between talking to my dad, uh, we found a day where my mom would come up and she would end up driving me to work. So I started every other week where my mom would come your mom must have been so happy when she saw you. She she was. And th- this is where, like, now in, ha- like, hearing her side of the story, she had had an investigator for several months leading up to this and That's then hilarious. working with her to help coach her as to what to say to me. Aww. Because she was so afraid that, you know, the, sl- the smallest thing, now she has contact with her child her daughter, she knows that she's somewhat safe because she knows she can see her every week. Yeah, because what did your dad say? Like, what did he say? Why is this so secretive? And what was your response? Because it has to be. So he never even asked why it was so secretive. I think the, they just knew. They knew that there was something. They didn't want to trigger me because if I, they triggered me, I'd go into isolation again and I wouldn't reach out to them. Wow. Those are some awesome parents. I think they deserve a medal, just saying. Thank you. Or a crown, <laughs> one or the other, right? Yeah. <laughs> a tear and a crown. Um, so, wow. Okay, so now we're into year two. We're going into that. And um, so I had left eventually. So just going, oh. yeah. So I was, I was there. And during that time, my parents were kind of helping me, you know, just kind of supporting me. And finally, I decided... I need to leave, but I'm afraid to leave. So I need to leave when he's at work or at, at school. So but you slowly, don't have kids at this point. I don't have any kids at this point. So my, my mom is just like, Chanel, you need, like, you know, let's maybe take a couple items every week so it's not so noticeable, and then we'll just go. So over the course of about six weeks, we did that. And then I left a little note with my little teddy bear that he bought me and said, you know, I can't do this anymore. And, uh, yeah, that's the first time that I left, like, the cycle. The first time? That was the first time. Wow. Brave you. Thank you. And then? And then, uh, I mean, as one does, he was going through um, a complaint against the police officers because he felt like that was now going to, the situation that happened where my parents went to the police, or it was going to affect him to get a police job in the future. So one of his um, teachers or professors had said, you know, you could go and complain. So that's what he did. So he complained. So, of course, he needed my help. So I had emailed him saying he had emailed me. I had an email that he could reach me at. And um, I can't can't remember, like, what had happened. But essentially what what ended up happening was I ended up going, supporting him for that claim and then getting back together, of course. And then that's kind of when. What did your parents say? Oh, well, at this point, I think they were like, I I think we're just in this for the ride. 
But I told my parents, okay, now I'm going to tell you where and when I'm going. So try to be more communicative. So you weren't moving back in per se. You were no, just getting back together. Just getting back together. No moving in. At this point, my dad. Yeah. At this point, my dad is like, okay, let's let's get you into university. So that was my next focus. Oh, good. Yeah. Distract, distract. Exactly. Um, got into all of the universities that I applied to. Of course you did. Thank you. <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> of course. Except, of course, I wanted to see if this relationship was going to work. So I moved to the farthest one away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. and? And so I would come back on weekends and see him during weekends. And that was what hard. What about your parents, though? Like, so you would, you were not living at home. You'd live on campus, I assume, or mm-hmm. close by, weekends you'd go to him. That's right. Was he good with you going to university? Uh, so that was an issue, um, of course, because guys, there's guys everywhere. There's well, and it, it's a form of independence, I think, too, because now mm-hmm. you're going to have an education. Of course, absolutely. And so as we were going through, it was it was pretty rocky. You know, he was doing his own thing down here. I was studying and coming back every weekend to see him. And it was, it was hard on him. It was really hard on him. I had to check in all the time, uh, letting him know when I was going into class, coming out of class. I had gotten a job out there, so I was going to, between school and work. It, there was a lot going on. So his suggestion was, when I came back around Christmas time, was well, let's get married and start a family. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, Okay. Trying to make this happen, trying to make this work. And I thought, why not? You know, we're 21, 22 years old. We could be engaged for a year or two, get married, and then just start life. So, of course, I said yes. Every girl wants a beautiful ring and live it's, a good I life. I think it's Walt Disney's it's, fault, right? You know, mm-hmm. anyways. So, yes, we, we all want the happily ever after. How we get there is a whole different story. Absolutely. So you get married. So we... You elope? How were your folks? So we ended up eloping at a... With his side of the family, not mine. Um, He wanted to get married at a mosque, which is his family's religion. Um, He's not religious by any means, but that was just how they did it. So... Did you tell your parents? So I didn't because I knew they would not be okay with that. Mm -hmm. They would want... If they were getting their first daughter was getting married, they would have wanted it to be a nice, beautiful reception, beautiful wedding. Like my mom's always dreamt about what her daughter's weddings would look like. Of course. And so, um, yeah, so we just eloped and we started our family. And so, of course, when that happened, I couldn't go back six hours away to school. I needed to be home and get to work and and start a life with my now husband and um, we got pregnant with my son and we got ourselves a place um, not too far from here actually oh really yeah and um, and then we just we started life and my son was born and because I had gone to school I had to and I didn't work hadn't worked that long Um, I thank you you're welcome yeah I hadn't worked that long and so, but you're still, you're living here. Your folks aren't too far away. 
Are you still seeing them or communicating with them at all? So now, yes. Now things are getting better. Um, even my sister-in-law said, like, my sister-in-law and my brother were just like, you know, we thought things were getting really good. We thought, like, they were starting to come around for Thanksgiving and Christmas. and so You were? He, yeah, we were as, like, a couple. We were starting oh, to nice. integrate our family now that there's a baby into, yeah. into like, my parents' lives. That now, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now, during this time, and and it might make a little bit more sense of why I jumped so quickly into, like, the marriage, was that year when I'd gone away to school, my parents decided to separate. So that was really traumatic for me. And he was, like, the one. My dad was so close. He got me through so much and then made this decision to, you know, to, to live his life. And that affected me a lot. Of course, it does. Mm-hmm. I think it doesn't matter how old a child is, um, whether it doesn't matter. It's going to affect you mm-hmm. in in some way, shape, or form, for good, bad, or indifferent. But you were at a very vulnerable stage, mm-hmm. and you needed that. Even though it sounds like they were still a unit there for you, it didn't. Say, I mean, I, I this is first you're telling me, but mm-hmm. was there any animosity, or were there were they still really there for for you? So my mom was. She my was dad pissed. was. My dad was more so I'm now going to kind of take a step back and sort things out myself, you know. Um, looking back as a grown adult and having raising my kids and 12 years later, I, I have a softness to knowing that we all as individuals, as adults, have to do what's best for ourselves, yes. right? And now I honor that. But back then it was hard for me to see. It was like, how could you do this to me? Exactly. Yeah. It was very much a a child saying, you know, did I do something wrong? Did I push you too much? And because of what I was going through with my relationship, I felt very much, um, I knew that it wasn't my fault. But you probably felt like it I was. I felt like I was the push. It was like the the needle in the haystack, right? It was just that extra pin that you just, you know, just tossed in there and 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 I was that. Yes. So I, I, I so, carried that for a long time. Oh, I'm sorry. Because you know, as as a young person, you and I both know now that you couldn't you've got a lot of power, but you don't have that much power, right? You can't mm-hmm. keep them together and you can't keep them apart. I think we know that now as adults, but like you said, as a child you feel like it's your fault. Mm-hmm. So was this sort of something else that fueled you to make this work? Definitely. Absolutely. To a point where it was like, and now the ego is coming in, right? Oh, mm-hmm. the ego. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then you felt that you were going to show everybody and you were going to make it work. You weren't mm-hmm. going to like that. No. And so, of course, so my sister-in-law and brother and everyone else was like, this is working because Chanel looks happy. But on the inside, I was dying. I was not being treated well at home. I was being disrespected. I was being abused physically, mentally, um, just because I could see my family. I They had no idea that at this time what phone I had or if I had a cell phone. Um, every time I could speak to my family or friends, it was on speaker, on his phone. Um, I was completely isolated and financially isolated. So every time I got a paycheck, we cashed it. I literally had an overdrawn balance with $20 available for emergencies, but he took all the rest. 
Um, And his thinking, and I was going along with it, was, well, we're saving for a house, so we need to save every single penny. We want to buy a house. We want to. We want a good life. White picket fence, right? That was your sort of vision, and you said, "Okay, fine." Mm -hmm. I thought, "Let's live on a budget. We can. We can do this." But inside, there was something wrong, because I wasn't being treated right. Um, He was going out with his friends on weekends, sometimes not coming home, sometimes not answering the phone. You had the baby at this point, or you were pregnant. I had my son at this point. And can I just ask, did the abuse continue while you were pregnant? So interesting. We ended up living at my mom's place until my son, I know, for the summer until my son was born. Wow. That is a gift. It was. It kept me safe. It kept me safe. And your son. Wow. So he was born after. Um, We had found a place to rent. And uh, like two weeks later, he was born. And, and then it was just a matter of time. Uh, the, uh, we were isolated in our own place now, so abuse was happening on a weekly basis. I would do something wrong in terms of, like, I maybe I cooked the food wrong. Um, he was taking steroids. I'm not sure if that kind of was implementing his anger. There were just things that he was just, you could tell he just wasn't happy, and I was just trying to do Whatever I could. Trip over yourself to, to fix it. Absolutely. Walking on eggshells. Talking back was never an option. That was, was mentioned. Was talking, though, an option? Not often. I wasn't allowed to have my own thoughts. And I felt like when he asked me questions, it was like I could never say the right thing. So I'm constantly trying to say what he wanted to hear, hoping, and then him turn around and say, well, I don't believe you. Or I don't, you know, you're stupid. You you have nothing to prove. And at this point, I never even remembered. I was this beautiful young pageant girl who had the confidence to to shine bright and and to inspire others and to show them that you are powerful and you are strong and and you can say what you need to say. You have the the ability, you have the freedom to use your voice. And that was hidden and it was taken away for so many years. And um, and I'm sorry for that. That sounds like you were sort of living in your own head and your own personal hell because you wanted to achieve something and you thought this was all on you. Mm-hmm. And how terrifying and especially feeling like you're alone always. Always. There was, there was no out. I could only go to him, and of course, I can't go to him for advice about him because I, I was too afraid to go to anyone else. I was afraid to go to my mom because I was afraid she'd go right back to the police again. So, so did she believe that this was not happening anymore? She had a feeling that things weren't right, but she could see that we were trying, right? We were both trying. But there were times where, for instance, um, we had, a, we had a German Shepherd, and he had a dog shocking collar. There was one day where he was just really upset, and we were getting ready to go see his mom, and I had all his food packed because he was uh, bodybuilding. He had a certain menu. Um, all his food was packed for the two days we were going to spend at his mom's, the baby's stuff. All our stuff was packed, ready to go, and I was putting everything in the car, the dog, my son, the food, everything, and he was just 
having a shower and getting ready, doing his hair and coming out all on his own. And so I was like, can, can you help me? And he's just like, no, you've, you've got this. I, I've got to fix my hair. So he goes in, he fixes his hair, and I dropped the keys, putting, they fell at the bottom of the car. And I couldn't find them. And he was so upset, so upset, because I, I should have taken my time to put things in the car and not rushed, right? Of and course. I was asking for help because I was Because you had a baby and a dog and food and, of course... And so what happened? And so he was furious because now we have to look for the keys and now we're going to be late. Um, And his mom was going to have a nice dinner prepared at a certain time and it takes an hour and a half to get there. And so everything was always my fault. And yes, I dropped the keys. That's my fault. So of course, I'm I'm now just reverting back to how could I do this? So I finally find them. But through that time, he was pulling everything out. He threw the diaper bag across the floor and the kitchen floor trying to find these keys. And he was like, I need you to sit down. And so I said, okay, I'll sit down. And he took the dog shocking collar and he said, put this around your neck. And I said, I'm not doing that. He's like, put it around your neck. And I said, no. And I'm starting to cry. And he's like, I had like ripped jeans. And so he's like, put it around your leg. And I said, I can't, I, I don't want to do that. And he's like, you're talking back to me. You do what I say. And I didn't. So he took it and he put it, he wrapped it around my leg. He said, don't you dare touch it. And he took the dog shocker and he just started the vibrator over and over and over and continued shocking and just asking me random questions. And I was crying and I was afraid and my son was starting to cry and the dog was barking and it was just a chaotic moment. And finally he's like, I've had enough. Uh, I don't believe you. You're worthless. You're a piece of, he named me everything you could think of. Thank you. And, um, and we can stop if you have to. Thank you. And, uh, we went on our way. What what went through your mind? Was that your, you know, everybody has a moment where they say, I can't do this anymore. Was that your moment? Not yet. I had gone a few more months. Uh, there had been constant times where I'd been slapped. Um, I had been punched. Uh, there was finally a night where now I'm pregnant with my next baby. My son is nine months old. And um, I was making him his food, getting it all ready. And there were egg whites. And I'm like, I'm not going to the store until tomorrow. Just going to do a few. Um, So I was trying to be cautious with the food we did have. And uh, one night I just, I had had enough. I was home that day. I wasn't working. I mean, at this point, my son's eight months old. I really should be on maternity leave. Um, Or at least spending more time not working five days a week. Now I'm pregnant. Where was your son? Where was, who was looking after your son? This is interesting. So my neighbors were incredible. They're so beautiful. So they helped. And then my mom helped as well a couple times. So that, that's where my mom kind of was seeing me a couple times a week when I went to work, dropped my son And he off. would allow this because it was free daycare or of course, something. Okay. Of course. Of course. So um, there was one time where I was just exhausted and my mom could see it. And I was going there early. 
and just crashing on the couch and sleeping for an hour before work. I was just exhausted, emotionally, physically drained. And um, one night I um, told him his food was in the, in the microwave and I was just exhausted. Um, you know, nothing, nothing was good enough. I always made a mistake. Um, and this, this was the night when I knew that I had had enough. Um, I finally stood up for myself. I told him that I was being disrespected. He decided that, how could you say that? Um, you know, I'm the man, I'm your husband. You should never speak like that to me. And I said, I know, but you don't respect me. Um, and he punched me. I went to protect my face. My arm ended up being broken. I found out a couple weeks later. Um, I didn't leave just then. I left a week later. And uh, I left. I went to my neighbors. I told them what was going on. I contacted my mom through their phone because I was afraid if she, if she knew that I had a cell phone that she could speak to me on and she didn't get there in time, that there'd be an issue if he came home early. So it was very much like the first time my mom came with my, all my siblings and packed up the car, packed up my son. She had no idea I was pregnant yet. And I think it was during that time where I knew, I knew that it was, I was done because he Well, you stood up for yourself. I did. And it wasn't just for me. It was for now my son and this unborn baby. And you said, and I'm sorry, I cut you off. You were going to say he said. He had said that if this is a girl, that we would just get rid of it and that he wouldn't want anything to do with it. So that was kind of my, my mother instinct was, well, I don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but I'm not sticking around to experience that. Wow. That is, so your whole family comes, Mm -hmm. they pack you up. No teddy bear note, I hope at this point. (laughs) No, no. No teddy bear note. No note at all. And you leave, where do you go? So I ended up going to my mom's. And my brother had a friend that came, which I was so grateful for. They stood outside. They were unpacking things from the trailer. He pulls up. And uh, my I, I knew. I knew that he was there. I could feel it. I just felt there was something very deep and dark, and I knew that it was him. And um, I, I knew at this point, I gave my brother my phone, and I said, here's the phone that you guys never knew I had. But let's take the SIM card out and you keep it. I can't look at it. I can't go back this time. And um, I guess a long story short, I ended up living at my grandma's. So three days later, my grandma and my cousin came. They picked me up and they brought me to her house where he didn't know. He'd never been to my grandma's house. So that was my safe house for three years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is... I mean, it's incredible that you actually were able to get out, get out safe with you and your children, but also brave enough to stand up and say what you said, knowing what the consequence would be. But yeah. it's almost like, you know what, I'm taking my power back. And you, I think you knew at that moment, right? Mm-hmm. And how did you explain the uh, broken arm? So we ended up going, we did, I didn't even know it was broken at the time. I just, it was swollen and double the size. I thought maybe 
it was just, um, you know, I fell, right? I fell. That's what I told my mom. That's what I told my people at work. Uh, did, did they know? Did I, everybody know? Everyone knew. Because I think everybody knows. Everyone knows. It's, it's, you, you get that feeling. You, you know when someone's not happy. You really do. And you, you, when you look at people, I think you see it in their eyes. You see, no matter if they have a smile on their face or their makeup's done beautiful, you can see the water in those eyes and you know that they're trying to be happy, but they're not. And three years. So did you go to police? What did you do? Because as a dad, he's got rights to see. Mm -hmm. Does he know? Oh, yes, he knows you're pregnant. He does, yes. And so did he have a right to see your children? So, of course he did. Uh, My aunt is a paralegal, and she's now a lawyer, and she married a cop, which was really, really great during this time. Yeah. Um, Because he had said, if you ever went to the police, I'm going to come after you and your family. And so I was terrified to go to the police. But it was my aunt who was just like, you have to. You have to. She had been through her own thing. And she's like, you, you need to go. So I did. I and my cousin came with me. Wasn't the same officer from the first time, was it? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. I was actually terrified to actually speak to any officer. And I told them I'm not speaking to any man, only a woman. At this point, I was afraid to talk to any men. For the years that I was with him, I was afraid to talk to men. Um, And so finally, after many hours, we're like, this is the only guy we have. (laughs) So we ended up... uh, Constable Carnegie, he's, he's pretty awesome. Um, every once in a while, a few years after, he touched base to ask how me and my kids were, and that was so nice. And that That's was like so great. the beautiful thing about, um, you know, the police are there to to help protect you. And I know lots of people have their own story, but I was so afraid. And that experience showed me the importance and the protection that police do provide when you finally go and when you finally leave for the last time. Yes. And so, and that's awesome. And it's so nice that you're able to say that because for anybody who's watching, that's maybe going through something similar, Mm -hmm. you know, they are terrified because like you said, you know, there's been a lot of threats and conditioning, you know, leading up to that. And so now you go to the police. Does he get charged? Does he still get to see your son? Like, what happens? Right. So he ended up getting charged, a charge with a weapon and a charge with assault times two. So both were assault with a weapon times two, assault times two. Um, He spent time. uh, Of course, um, he actually tried to come after me and my family after getting arrested. So a couple weeks later, we got a phone call. We got all dragged in, questioned. Um, and he ended up getting another another court case on top of that for breach of bail and obstructing justice. So what happened? He came after you at home? or So he claimed that me and my family had gone after him and tried to beat him up. And he had no idea where I was. So that saved us. The fact that I was living with my grandparents, my grandpa was a surety, and my aunt and uncle you know, working at the courthouse every day, they ended up coming, driving me and my mom. And they were just like, the police had said, if it wasn't for them being my sureties, they probably would have just put us right through bail um, and not listened to us because 
the what he was char- were going to charge us with was huge. It was um, attempt of murder with a weapon. Yeah, he had superficial wounds, is what they said. And ha- had you seen him at all? I hadn't seen him whatsoever. At, at the very last day I ever saw him was the day that I left. And the night, the last night that all my family saw him was the day he came up to our house, the day I left, asking, can I see, at least see my son? That's what he said to my brother. And my brother's like, no, you need to leave or we'll call the cops. Wow. Yeah. And so... I'm sure there's so much more to that mm-hmm. story, but it's been how many years now? It's been 11 years. 11 years now. This May was 11 years that I left. Happy anniversary. Thank you. And how has this experience changed you mm-hmm. as a mother? Oh, my gosh. Well, when they say a mother is becomes a mother bear, it's so true. I will go to the ends of this earth to support my kids and to protect them. And um, going back to your question, I don't think we quite answered it. He ended up, uh, we went through family court and he just said he wanted all or nothing. And he didn't show up to family court. So the judge was like, okay, well, we'll just let you have what you've asked for. Which is Um, full custody. Full custody, um, permission. I don't have to have permission to take them out of the country on vacation. Like it's just, everything's on me. And he never came back. He never came back to fight. He never came back to, I've never gotten any child support. Um, And the judge said, we see these unfortunately often. And he said, Chanel, it's best that you wipe your hands clean and you pick up yourself and you move forward. And that line kept me going for a very long time. Wow. And 11 years later, so he's never really met your daughter. Never. She was born after. What about his family? I have not had any communication with them. They've not seen, they've not reached out. Um, there had been a couple times where a third party has reached out, um, and I just kind of print out the email, forward the email to my lawyer and say, you know, you can use this if time comes. But I, I mean, it's for me, it's unnecessary stress to just see it and go after it and attack it because there's not supposed to be any type of connection uh, through third party. They have to go through the lawyer. Um, but I thought, you know what, I'm just, you know, let it go um, and keep living my life because we're living a beautiful one. It sounds like it. And that is definitely going to be our part two. Mm-hmm. But give us sort of a teaser going into our next podcast together. So you pick up the pieces, you have another baby, you obviously do amazing things. How has this experience or this struggle made you to, I mean, I only know you as the the golden heart that I've met and that I've seen some of your writing and you seem like you just want to inspire, motivate and give back to other women. And you and I had a big talk about that's part of your healing. It's a big part of your healing because I'm sure you've got bad days. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've got tough days. And so what do you do? How did, how, like, what's your secret? We have to have a toolbox and we have to be able to have that toolbox accessible and constantly filling it with a new item. 
to just like you're going to fix a house, um, perhaps you're fixing your kitchen, and then you're, the next the next thing is you're going to go fix the washroom. Well, you need different tools for different parts of the house throughout your journey. Right? Exactly. So needing different parts of you need different tools to help heal you in different parts of your life. And so that's kind of going into what I'm all about. What I'm what I've done for myself is I've gone through mentorship. And I've had a life coach and going through that helped me completely change my mindset in terms of let's think positive, let's learn a new skill, let's take out a new tool, maybe take out an old one, you know, whether it's a breathing exercise, a writing exercise, um, putting yourself out there and doing something that scares you exercise. Um, there's so many things out there that have changed my life, transformed my life from this woman who once stood on a stage as Miss Canada to being then walking on eggshells for several years and then reclaiming that crown, putting it back on my head, using my voice and saying, now let's all stand up together. Let's all join a community and use our voice, inspire others, and help them share their stories. Because that story, my, by me sharing my story, I've helped so many women. I'm sure. And even somebody that's watching this, it's like, what would you, what's one or two small things that you can say to them? Uh, I, I just know because I do a lot of work with, um, with shelters and whatnot, as well as with uh, mental and brain, brain wellness. It's sort of like you're not always going to feel like this. I don't know why everybody has said to me that was the one thing that kept me going, that I was never going to always feel like this. So you must have your go-to little things for people. What What do you want to say to somebody if they're in the exact same position you were and they're wanting to leave? Well, today is today, tomorrow's tomorrow. And so we have to, even no matter what's happened in your past, you have to just live in the present and know that tomorrow is another day. You wake up every day with a new opportunity. That is so powerful and so true, you know? Mm. And I always, you know, a lot of people are like, don't look, you know, backwards. You should never look backwards. And I only say look backwards because you, I love your motto and I live by it. And I think you need to live by it because we all suffer some kind of trauma, mm-hmm. not necessarily everything that you've gone through. Um, people's trauma is different. But I always say look back to see how far you've come. And that's mm. sort of your journey today. I mean, I'm sure every time you visit it, I mean, you get emotional, you feel teary. But then you've got this beautiful, wonderful smile and your eyes smile and you're still so happy And that is so inspiring. And I love the fact that you're motivating other people and you're using something extremely negative for a positive. Mm -hmm. How beautiful is that? And so now just really quickly, you're mentoring, you are starting or are a life coach. Yes, You've got an awesome connection in Utah. That's right. Do you want to just sort of say a little bit about that? Her name's Michaela. Um, She's actually a current beauty queen as well. So really excited to be partnered with her. She's also an overcomer. We call ourselves overcomers of domestic violence. You, you know you how you go through stages like the, the victim, survivor, and then... Denial and right? whatever, yeah. We've come over that and we're like, we are the overcomers. And we I want other that. people to overcome because when you overcome, 
you 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 can you can move mountains and uh, the mountains in Utah are beautiful I was just gonna say seriously (laughs) (laughs) and yeah and I'm gonna want to hear and share the fact that you got on a plane you know you boogied over there and again it's about taking chances Mm -hmm. and but sorry sort of what I got from your whole story is you always even in your darkest moments you believed in yourself there was Mm -hmm. something in you and I think it was Sorry, I'm going to say, I think it was well before you were even starting to date. They always say you're kind of, your whole life is formed when you're, you know, prior to being six, Mm -hmm. your parents laid the foundation and you always went back to it and you had the confidence and in yourself, right? And you loved yourself enough to say, I deserve more or I deserve better or I deserve different. Mm -hmm. And it was so important to instill those beliefs in my children. And I knew if I stayed they wouldn't get that opportunity. Wow. Mm-hmm. You are one powerful force, lady. I got to give you a hug. Thank We're going to hug it out. Thank you for joining us. Thank Come you. here. You are a rock star. Thank you. Oh. I don't even know you, but I love you.